Welcome or welcome back to Lift You Up, inspiring health stories. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham. I'm the founder and chief storyteller of TB Media Group. But for the purpose of this podcast, I am your health and happiness matchmaker. Now, before I introduce you to today's guest, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. Hit subscribe on YouTube, turn on those notifications if you haven't already, and connect with me on LinkedIn because I'd love to stay connected with you. Now, today you are going to meet an attending physician who's part of the Jackson Health System. It's part of our series continuing during Black History Month. And today we're talking about Black health and why the Black community is disproportionately affected by so many different conditions and diseases, more so than the white community. So we're breaking down why that is, as you could imagine, it's not a simple answer, but what we can do to start chipping away at the problem. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want, it is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. All right, well, today I'm so excited to be joined by Dr. Inaki Bent. I got that right? Yes. Awesome. You are an attending physician at Jackson Memorial Hospital, is that right? With Jackson Health System, yes. At Jackson Health System. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, Tamika. Um, it's an honor and privilege to be here. Uh, I, I love doing these uh, these talks where we can educate the community uh, about different topics. This is one of my passions. Uh, so thank you for the invitation. I like that you said you, you like educating the community. That's really my intention for our conversation today. Um, and at the time of this podcast coming out, we'll be about Black History Month. So I wanted to take the opportunity to talk with someone like yourself so that we could take, um, you know, educate the, the black community and others as well on topics that you're knowledgeable in. But before we dive into that, I want to understand more about your background, how you became a physician, what it is you do, and like kind of a little bit of your career path. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a attending physician, as you mentioned, with Jackson Health System. I am a Miami native, uh, born to Haitian immigrants. So I am local, homegrown, 305. Uh, okay. This is my home. I did my undergraduate studies at Florida State University. I went on to Barry University, where I got a master's in biomedical science. And then in medical school and my MBA was done at Nova Southeastern College of Osteopathic Medicine. I went on to do my internal medicine training at the University of Miami uh, Jackson Memorial Hospital Internal Medicine Residency Training Program. I grew up in uh, Miami's inner city. I attended Miami Northwestern Senior High School, home of the Mighty Bulls. I was in their medical magnet program, which was part, um, partly a due to my passion for helping folks in the, the, the medical field. Uh, so that helped get me started on my path on towards this uh, career in medicine. So it sounds like medicine has always been something you were interested in pursuing from a young age. 
from a very young age. I, I knew it was what I was uh, going to end up doing. However, the path wasn't always clear. Uh, I had mentors along the way that helped point me in the right direction and with a lot of hard work, uh, some uh, good values, discipline, uh, help from the Lord above. I was fortunate to con uh, complete all of my studies and practice medicine in my hometown and the community that made me. So the way I like to dumb it down for folks, I break it down and simplify it, is that an internal medicine or an internist is a pediatrician for adults. So we gotcha. handle all the general medicine needs uh, for adult patients. And uh, depending on whether you're working in the inpatient or outpatient setting, um, the, the scope of your practice can be routine, uh, health screenings, physicals, dealing with your um, chronic medical conditions uh, to any hospital work where you're managing patients on ventilators and uh, dealing with acute medical issues in a hospital setting, especially with COVID, internal medicine uh, has basically been on the front end, uh, on the front lines of managing the COVID epidemic in hospitals. Gotcha. Wonderful. Um, and how long have you been a, um, a primary care physician now? Jackson? It's been about 11 years. Um, I completed medical school in 2010, completed in 2013, and I've uh, been in practice for a little over eight years. Uh, my first job out of residency uh, was with a private practice uh, group, would you believe, in my hometown and in, in, in the neighborhood that I grew up with. So it, it was so awesome. It, it was unreal. Uh, going to work every day and seeing Ms. Johnson, uh, Ms. Joseph, folks who knew me when I was knee-high to a grasshopper, and now I'm their primary care physician. What was their reaction? I, I bet there was so much pride. So much pride, um, so much, you know, just knowing that they're uh, hard work and everything that they poured into me um, turned out for for the this greater good. That's wonderful. What I really want to talk about, since this is um, Black History Month, is really just some of the things that I've started to learn. I'm sure you can teach me so much more. But just when it comes to health um, and the Black community, things that are I guess you'd say important for us to learn, right? Um, you know, I could kick it off by starting with COVID, right? And some of the things that we saw and numbers and data that was coming out during COVID that, hey, black and brown communities are being affected um, more than, you know, our white counterparts and why that is. And I think there are as well greater rates of heart disease and diabetes in the black community. Um, and really kind of why that is. And I'll let you, and if I misspoke on any of that, feel free to correct me, but I, I just wanted to kick it off with that direction. Sure, sure. So for the past 20, 21 months, COVID has consumed our lives. And I just 
think back to the beginning of COVID, I recall our community, it, it, it was like a running joke that African-Americans, Black folks, we're immune to COVID. Do, do you remember that, Tamika? I don't they, remember they were, that. Yeah, so that they, we're there immune was a to lot it. Of, yeah, that we're immune to it. That this is when it was over in Italy. <laughs> it hadn't really come across to the to the mainland. And I remember all the internet chatter. I used to get a lot of patients who uh, would come into the office who um, would refer to uh, to COVID in in such a way that. Uh, that they had no concern. And it wasn't until that weekend, uh, that weekend in March, where the entire country shut down, uh, where folks really took a step back and realized that this is for real. This is for real. And here we are 20 months later, and we realized that the African-American community has been disproportionately affected by COVID. Um, the numbers are staggering. The numbers are staggering. And thankfully, we have a vaccine which has helped curve the numbers, but the, the damage has already been done. And it, it has exposed many of the healthcare disparities um, that have gone unaddressed over the, over the past several decades, uh, the past century. Um, and COVID actually put a spotlight on that. Hmm. When you say healthcare um, disparities, what do you mean by that? Right. So when I say healthcare disparities, uh, it's basically what are what the African American, the Black and Brown communities' outcomes are compared to our white counterparts. Um, when I say healthcare disparities, um, the rates of heart attack and stroke are starkly different from our white counterparts. Um, the rates of colon cancer and prostate cancer amongst black and brown communities are, are starkly different from um, uh, the, 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 the majority community. So, and are there any others? I, I know you just mentioned colon cancer, that was a stroke, heart attack. Um, any others that stand out to you as well, or are those I mean, COVID, we saw. Um, anything else that stands out as notable? Yes. Well, uh, heart attack, stroke, cancer rates are, are uh, disproportionately high. Uh, rates of kidney disease, chronic kidney disease, which is one of, my, uh, one of my passions, is starkly different. Um, one of the major purveyors of chronic kidney disease are uncontrolled hypertension and uncontrolled diabetes, which we all know is uh, a highly prevalent within black and brown communities. Uh, the reason that kidney disease is, is very special and near and dear to my heart is that my father, uh, from as long as I can remember, has been afflicted with uh, uh, chronic kidney disease um, from his longstanding uh, hypertension. So in 2014, um, after his long battle with, with chronic kidney disease, he was fortunate enough to get a kidney transplant um, during my time at, uh, with Jackson Health System. You mentioned 
all of these different conditions that do disproportionately affect the black community. Um, why is it that black and brown communities are affected more when it comes to those that you mentioned? Well, so that's a loaded question, Tamika, uh, but it's a, it's a good one. There are many factors, there are many risk factors that uh, are modifiable and there are risk factors that we have no control over. Uh, we know just from the research that um, persons of color, uh, black and brown communities uh, are at higher risk for conditions like hypertension and diabetes. Um, we know that stress and is also a risk factor. We also know that obesity, smoking, uh, many of the uh, many of these risk factors are more prevalent within black and brown communities. These all lead to increasing rates of hypertension, increasing rates of diabetes. And um, when you look at what our dietary habits are, many of these conditions are linked to poor diets. When you look at um, food deserts, you, you see that in many urban communities where uh, communities are not able to find nutritious meals. Uh, you may have one grocery store that is able to sell fresh fruit. And when you look at the, fre the fresh fruit prices compared to other, other restaurants and other foods that are, are, are available, um, one dollar slices of pizza at 7-Eleven exactly. and you exactly. see those that live in that community walk there and get exactly. that for the whole family every day. Exactly. Exactly. So there's so many factors. Um, there are also historical factors that have led to um, worsening, uh, worsening outcomes for black and brown communities from the 1800s, from slavery, Jim Crow, um, healthcare disparities and um, access, limited access to the healthcare system, uh, all are sources that lead to the, the increased prevalence within these black and brown communities. Some of these things that you've mentioned are preventable. Um, are able to kind of reverse, stop, change behaviors. So what are some of the things that you would say, you know, as much as we can, right? Like take our power back, uh, you know, power of our bodies, control of our bodies and live a little bit healthier or try to prevent or reverse some of these things. What are some of the steps that we could take to do that? So exercise is the key to tackling many of these um, medical conditions. Um, 30 minutes a day of cardio, whether that's walking, jogging, uh, riding a bike, you'd be surprised how much that can increase your survival when we're talking about coronary artery disease or, or cerebrovascular disease. Um, next, finding ways to not allow our diets to become, not become the, the, 
the end of us all. Um, I recall as a uh, as a young kid uh, growing up in Miami's inner city. I remember my mom; she would go miles and miles away to different flea markets and swap meets to get fresh foods and fresh vegetables um, because in the communities where we grew up in, we didn't have, um, I didn't think about it back then, but now looking back at it, uh, it, it must have been very challenging um, for, for those generations to, um, to try to keep their families healthy. Um, so, I think between diet and exercise, we can stave off many of uh, these conditions that are plaguing our communities. Absolutely. And since you mentioned that and talk of the food deserts, I'd like to definitely shout out um, Health in the Hood, um, if you're familiar with them, that nonprofit run by Asha Walker, um, who's been on this podcast, love the work that she's doing. Um, because I, I can't even remember the number of food deserts in South Florida and in the state alone, but I know that it's hundreds. And um, what they do is build and help the community that's there maintain gardens um, where they will grow their own fresh fruits and vegetables. Organizations like the one you mentioned, uh, they, they are making a dent in, in, this, uh, in this issue and they should be applauded for their work. Absolutely. Um, is there a reason why I'll, I'll mention, you know, on a little bit of a different note or side when it came to COVID, for instance, um, because I guess with hypertension, with heart attack and, you know, th those things, you could definitely see how, hey, I need to eat healthier, need to exercise. Um, and, and maybe the same applies to COVID, but did you see why um, or have an insight as to why, uh, you know, black and brown communities were affected at higher rates when it came to that? Or is it because, hey, we have higher rates of these other things like diabetes and hypertension. And it was like, hey, people who are greater, greatly affected by COVID, that group, that risk, that, that group at risk are those with pre-existing conditions. So are those two connected? Yes, they, they are connected. So we know that um, populations that are sicker, that are more immunocompromised, succumb to COVID at far higher rates than health, healthier folks. And it goes hand in hand. It, it goes hand in hand. Um, the rates of obesity, um, the, the rates of many of these other conditions are much higher in black and brown communities. So it wouldn't be surprising that uh, a disease that preys on the weak and the ill um, is, is having a higher mortality within these groups. And then another issue I feel like we haven't touched on, and tell me if you can offer any thoughts on this, is mistrust when it comes to healthcare professionals in the black community. And I guess that goes back, you know, years and years in, in, into history. Is that something you still see? I still see that um, prior, prior to the pandemic, prior to the pandemic, but the pandemic actually uh, shined a, a, a spotlight on it. 
many of my patients would cite the Tuskegee syphilis experiment and not knowing any of the details uh, regarding this horrific study, um, many of my patients would automatically bring that up. Whenever uh, I would bring up the topic of vaccinations and uh, ending the pandemic through uh, public health measures, the first thing many of my patients would bring up is Tuskegee. And what I try to uh, encourage my patients who, who have apprehensions about Tuskegee, I, I ask them many times, how long are we gonna allow the Tuskegee experiment to um, terrorize our community? Tell us, for those who aren't familiar with the Tuskegee syphilis uh, study that was done, just like a little, uh, briefly a little bit about it. Sure. So Tuskegee is a city in Alabama in the middle part of the 20th century, um, there was the discovery that um, penicillin could treat and cure essentially syphilis. Um, however, um, these researchers um, wanted to see what the long-term effects of untreated syphilis would be in the community. And they chose this community in Tuskegee where many of the men had syphilis. And when they were under the impression that they were getting treatments, they actually weren't being treated for it. And they were just followed for many, many years uh, to their detriment uh, so they can assess and evaluate what the long-term um, complications would be. And, and for those who aren't familiar with the long-term complications, there are a lot of um, uh, neurologic issues, there's uh, dementia, uh, there's issues with vision, and there are issues that can be related to fertility. Um, so th this group of men- And black men, Unknowingly, right? yeah, black men, this, this group of uh, black men were unknowingly um, passing this on to um, wives and um, uh, partners. And when they were under the impression that they had been treated and that there was an, a known cure at the time. Um, and it wasn't until uh, many decades later that uh, the, the information about the study was made public um, and Many of that, many folks from that community are still dealing with many of the, um, the complications 50 years later. I definitely heard are, are among friends or, you know, friends, family members who didn't want to get the vaccine when it came to COVID because they're, you know, didn't trust it. So we definitely see that, but I, I do like what you said about, hey, how, how long are we going to let some of the things of the past continue to impact us? And it would be ultimately negatively. Right. And not take advantage exactly. and utilize exactly. the tools. Exactly. exactly. It's like the abuser having this, this stronghold, this, this mental hold on its victims. Uh, and, it, and it goes on for years and years and it affects so many different uh, facets of your life. Right.
and just looking at I mean there's a whole long list of statistics and things that we could take a look at and certainly some of it must come down to the medical professionals in our care and the sensitivity to you know our issues and our needs and you know ultimately regardless of who you are there is inherent bias that exists in all of us and the importance in having black doctors is certainly representation is certainly huge and there's not enough but um you know i'm sure that that can also play a, a role it plays a huge role uh tamika i'm going to share the story about one of the most impactful patients i've ever had in my career uh, she's since passed uh, her name is miss bernie smith and miss smith was one of my patients who i had during my training years over at Jackson Memorial Hospital. So this is a older African-American woman who had been battling uh, high blood pressure for many years. And the years of high blood pressure had caused her kidneys to essentially fail. Um, month after month, year after year, she'd come to the clinic and the doctors prior to me would speak to her about the need for dialysis because she had progressed to the point where she needed to start dialysis. But for a couple years, at least, she opted not to proceed with this. And I remember uh, that, that afternoon in my, in my clinic where we met each other for the first time, I got a chance to review her chart and I sat down and I explained to her what is going on with her kidneys and what's going on with her high blood pressure. And the first thing she told me was that, you know, out of it, from the many years that she had been coming to the clinic, I was the first person um, who was able to get through to her. I was able to speak her language. Um, she used to tell me that she felt like many of the, the doctors would speak over her head. Uh, and when she, uh, finally met me, she found someone that she can relate to and it, it made a big difference. So that two plus years that she spent avoiding uh, mm. dialysis, within six months, I was able to convince her and get her the lifelong treatment. So because I Because she didn't feel heard. Treatment. Correct, exactly, correct. And fast forward, uh, once I completed my training at, uh, uh, at Jackson and went on to private practice, she followed me to private practice. And she, from the point that I met her at residency to the point where she passed away was approximately six or seven years. How did that make you feel when you whether in the moment or when you look back on it, was that a pivotal moment for you to realize kind of the importance of your role? Uh, it was life-changing. It was career-changing for me. Miss um, Miss Smith, um, when I finally left private practice, she had um, had additional medical uh, issues 
And then shortly before I left private practice, she she went away. I posted a a touching tribute to her, you know, thanking her for the impact that she had on my career. And until this day, I still share this story whenever I get that reluctant patient um, who does not want to take their medications, who doesn't who has these misconceptions about what dialysis is. Um, I always share that story about Miss, Miss Vernice and it, it usually does the trick. We all have a Miss Vernice in our life um, that's near and dear to us um, that we, we care for and would hope that whatever doctor is seeing her would take that extra time, go that extra step to ensure um, a, a positive outcome for her. You know, you really provided a lot of helpful insight, education, and tips. Is there anything else that you wanted to add that I didn't ask you? There are, um, there are other conditions within our community that have been taboo. Um, HIV AIDS is one of the first uh, one of the, the, the first topics that come to mind. Um, and within the Miami urban community, uh, at one point in time, we had the highest rate of HIV, of new HIV AIDS cases in in the country. I do remember in the that. country. Mm -hmm. So in addition to kidney disease, HIV AIDS is one of my other passions. And uh, I, I like to take time to speak, especially to, to young people uh, re regarding, uh, regarding the, uh, the prognosis of HIV AIDS. With the advances in medicine, it's no longer the death sentence that it was in the 80s. It's no longer the de death sentence um, that we saw in the early to mid 90s. Um, People are living long, normal, healthy lives uh, because of the advances of medicine. But whenever I see patients in the, in the office or at, a, at the facility with HIV AIDS, even in 2021, there's still this stigma about HIV. I would challenge folks in saying that a condition like diabetes is probably more devastating of a medical condition than HIV AIDS is because the treatments that we have now are just so phenomenal. We have um, couples who are able to conceive children that are HIV negative because of the advances of, of, of science. So um, it's, it's just phenomenal, it's phenomenal. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I'm glad you brought that up as well, because it was just recently uh, World AIDS Day um, at the time of the recording of this. And I did see an interview um, with some colleagues talking about it. Um, and I think one of the statistics I actually saw there as well was that one in two, um, I think it was gay black men, are diagnosed with HIV, but it was like one in 10 or one in 14. And I'm probably messing up the statistics, but I do remember that one in two. And then a much um, lower rate for white men. 
So again, kind of another instance where the black community is, is also affected at, at higher rates. But I think the overall, as, as part of that conversation was certainly the advances of you know, the medical industry. Um, and that really people just don't talk about it. Um, and that, you know, perpetuates the stigma. And, you know, I think the only way to kind of get rid of that and start to eliminate that is to talk about it more. Because again, like you mentioned, people can live long, healthy, full lives um, now with the advances in medicine. Right, right. Um, there, there's still so much to learn. Um, my family's been personally affected um, uh, by this condition. Um, my, w one of my older brothers uh, passed away from HIV AIDS. Uh, it was just one of those things that was taboo, taboo so much so that um, the family was not even aware of his condition uh, until his final, you know, his final moments. Um, he, um, with the early intervention just thinking where things could have turned if he had someone in his life who could say, hey, um, yes, you had this diagnosis, but here's how we're gonna beat this thing. Right. Um, and unfortunately, um, he met the, um, the outcome that many in our community um, succumb to. Mm. And I think part of that must ha must be the shame that sometimes still comes with it, and then maybe ignoring it and not. Um, and I'm just speaking generally, and and not necessarily. Hey, like you said, talking to somebody who who hears you and understands you and is willing to to work with you through it. But just hey, if we kind of talk about it, try to, um, you know, get rid of that stigma then people will be more comfortable speaking up, get the treatment, the early intervention, and live those long, healthy lives. Because really, the quicker you do that, um, you know, the better it is for you. Absolutely, absolutely. So every time, er, every year around uh, World AIDS Day, um, you know, it holds a special place in my heart. And one of the, the main reasons that uh, it, I, I am a fierce advocate for HIV AIDS education and, and advocacy. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that story. Um, I appreciate everything that you've helped share and educate us on today. It's so important uh, that we have these conversations. Lastly, Dr. Bent, is there um, anything, any, any way people can find you, connect with you, I'll make sure to put your information, whether that's website or social media or the best place to, to find you down below in the show notes. Sure. Uh, I'm on all the major social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Bent 305. You can also find me on IG, Instagram at the locked doc, T-H-E-L-O-C-D <laughs> like underscore D-L-C, the locked doc. 
<laughs> I like that. Awesome. And a doctor I can find online. Hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'll make sure to link to all that below in the show notes. This has been really great. Actually, before we go, one last question right. that I, I I can't I can't not ask you because I, yes. I like to ask most of my podcast guests, but I think you'll have something especially good to share is a health tip. I ask everybody just a personal health tip, tip, something actionable that people that either you use in your kind of day to day life that helps you feel good that you would recommend people do and that they could implement starting tomorrow. Tamika, that's easy. The number one health tip is to take care of your mental health. If you don't have a therapist, find a therapist. Dr. Bent has a therapist. She's made a lot of money off of me during the (laughs) pandemic. Um, Mental health is just as important as physical health. Uh, So my tip is to find a therapist and nothing has to be wrong. The same way that you take care of your general health, your physical health is the same way you should stay on top of your your mental health because uh, it's very, very important. And it's another topic within black and brown communities that's uh, that's taboo, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be tough, you have to suck man it up. Man up. You have to man up, right, right. Yeah, which is not the case. There's nothing wrong with speaking to a therapist. You can look at it as life coaching, <laughs> like what you know, whatever it's, it exactly. is. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Awesome. I love that. Well, Dr. Bent, this has been really great. I appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you, Tamika. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Bent. I certainly learned something new and just overall reinforced the importance of our health and staying on top of that and also finding the right doctors, the right healthcare professionals to help you on your health journey and take it seriously. There are things that we can do to take our power back when it comes to our own health. So make sure you go below, find his information, connect with him below, and hey, connect with me if you aren't already. I don't know why not. My information is very easily accessible down below or all over this website if that's where you are as well. I'd love to stay connected. You can find me everywhere. Subscribe on YouTube, connect on LinkedIn. I'm also all the other places. I wouldn't want you to miss out. So make sure I see you back next week because I know I'll see you then. Until then though, stay happy, stay healthy.